The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Subscribe to Inclusion Revolution Radio wherever you get your podcasts. Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on underdogfantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. We're bringing you the most complete and hilarious Yanks chat you'll find anywhere. This is the Yanks Go Yard Podcast, courtesy of Fansider. Welcome to another episode of the Yanks Go Yard Podcast. I'm Adam Weinrib alongside Thomas Carinante, and the Los Angeles Dodgers are one win away from securing the World Series and making it so nobody can ever make fun of Clayton Kershaw in good faith ever again. If you want the most updated Yankees rumors, Yankees news, and all that good stuff during an offseason, that is sure to get a lot more turbulent the second the final ad of the World Series is recorded. Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts, and drop us a five-star review. Uh, And please do attach a mailbag question to that five-star review. We're going to be relying on the mailbag pretty heavily moving forward for obvious reasons. So we're excited to talk Yanks with you and make sure to drop your questions in the meantime while giving us that five-star review that we hope we've earned. Uh, Today, we're going to be talking World Series, obviously. uh, Got a lot to discuss from a crazy first five games that really did get much, much better in games four and five. Uh, There are plenty of Yankee angles there, too. We're going to talk about Brandon Lau's breakout and what that means for Aaron Boone's decision to bench Gary Sanchez under pretty different circumstances. Jock Peterson is going to be a topic of discussion this offseason. We'll touch on that. And Didi Gregorius, what's going on there? He opened up in sort of a very uh, revelatory interview this weekend on WFAN. We're going to dissect that Didi performance. Uh, Thomas, uh, how are you feeling about the Yanks, and what is watching this World Series making you realize once again uh, about sort of the construction of our roster? Yeah, it's the same old. It's it's we're just lacking we're a couple pieces away and that's what it's going to come down to 
I know the Dodgers are a power hitting team and you'll look at them and it seems like they're similar to, to, to our uh, construction, but they get a lot of two out hits. They get a lot of two out RBIs. They mix up putting, make putting contact on the ball when they need to and hitting home runs. And it's weird because it on the surface, it seems very similar, but you watch them in action and it's two very different things. And you look at the two out stats. Those are, that's the most telling the runners in scoring position, that's that's the most telling. Um, and also, you know, the pitching has gotten it done for them. I know um, Roberts, Dave Roberts has made a couple of uh, Boone-like decisions where you're like, dude, why are you taking him out? Why are you taking Kershaw out? I mean, everybody, the last two games, you're sitting there, even, in, even when Kershaw pitched game one, it's like, why is he coming out after the sixth inning and he's not even at 80 pitches? Like, why? Because, once again, the stats in the binder tell you to do so. Did it again last night, uh, or two uh, in Game Four? Uri, uh, Julio Urias is four and two thirds cruising through the game. I know we gave up a few runs, but nine strikeouts. Just let the guy keep going; he's cooking. Last, and then that ended up biting them because we saw Pedro Baez come in, who didn't need to come in, and he ruined that game for them. Then last night, Kershaw five and two thirds. I mean, I don't. It worked. It worked. But guess what? The same decision making that Doom Roberts in Game Four was the reason they won in Game Five. So you look at these, you got to throw your hands in the air. It doesn't really make sense. No one's going to be happy at the end of the day. People still weren't happy with his decision making, even though it resulted in a win, because he used the bullpen a little bit too much, and they're going to have to rely on that for the next two games. Um, but nonetheless, Dodgers got a lot of fire to them too. You know, this team loves to talk trash. You hear Jock Peterson on the hot mic last night getting amped after his home run. Um, Yankees don't have too many of those personalities, and I think that's another thing that has to change with us too. So, you know, we'll see what happens in the offseason. I think we do have a lot of stuff to talk about uh, in terms of Peterson, um, in terms of DD to clear some things up uh, in regards to what people are thinking and or expecting uh, in the coming weeks because, you know, the – Remember three days, what is it? Three days after the world series and it's hitting the ground running. Everything's, everything's up for grabs. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's when every contract is sort of available and be negotiated. That's when the Red Sox can announce that they've rehired Alex Cora, which they did in secret (laughs) on his birthday, like a week ago. That's when that can become official. Uh, And the Zach Britton thing is looming. So there's going to be a lot of action in the really early going of the off season, uh, which I think Yankee fans should all kind of be aware of. Um, I mean, it is weird I don't think, and this isn't a, this isn't a Yankee specific thing, but there are not a lot of baseball teams that would have won Game Five of that series after losing Game Four in the way that they did. I mean, Yankee fans could basically count our team out in a scenario like that. That's a ridiculous, devastating loss. Uh, like the Underdog Fantasy is the fastest growing fantasy app and easiest place to play fantasy sports. Just jump on UnderdogFantasy.com or download the app, draft your team, and that's it. And if drafts aren't your thing, they also have a pick'em game where you can win 20 times your money in a single night. Use promo code RADIO, and Underdog will double your first deposit when you sign up with up to $100 in bonus cash. Deposit $100? Get $100 free. That's promo code RADIO. Terms and conditions apply. 100th straight big game that Kenley Jansen was unable to finish for a Dodgers team that it felt like was, you know, they do feel like they're battling the baseball gods these last couple years. And it was just a redux of everything they'd already seen in that game. Crazy Dave Roberts, you know, finger on the trigger, bullpen moves, 
uh, telling Pedro Baez he wasn't going to pitch the seventh, then putting him in for the seventh after they got a lead, then watching him blow that lead. You wonder how Pedro Baez is still on this roster, participating in a World Series. This Dude has a, make a lot of sense. That's a thing that I wanted to just touch on. Has anybody given up a go-ahead home run and then come back? A reliever give up a go-ahead home run and then come back the next inning to give up the game-tying home run? I've never seen that before. I don't know what Dave Roberts could have seen during the you know at like one half inning break in the dugout too to be like, I think Baez deserves this. Let's let's do a Baez redemption after he just like let Brandon Lau go oppo off him. He's been there. He's been just as much of a problem as Jansen has for like the past yeah. five years. Um, but yeah, the, you know, the Dodgers lose on the, the worst player on the Rays. Objectively, like a pinch runner comes up in Brad Phillips. We love him. He's got a great personality, but he's the worst current hitter on the Tampa Bay Rays. He comes up and delivers, you know, the game tying hit. Chris Taylor mingles it in center field because Cody Bellinger's not playing center field because he's hurt. Uh, flips to Max Muncy on the infield, who makes the worst alligator arm throw to home plate you'll ever see. Will Smith tries to tag Randy Rosarano, who's 30 feet away on the floor way too soon, never has the ball. Uh, terrible, you know, awful bounce in center. Bad one two cutter down the middle from Jansen. Terrible throw from Muncy to the plate. Awful scoop from Smith. Uh, and there's a man on the ground who's now crawling to home plate to score the game-winning run. And now you've gotten Clayton Kershaw pitching game five with all the baggage in the world. If there's anyone on earth who has more baggage than Jansen and Roberts and Baez and everyone who just screwed up the end of game four, it's Kershaw. And what does he do? He gets a 3 nothing lead just like he did in game five of the 2017 World Series, the worst game of his life, that topsy-turvy Astros game that ended with the Bregman walk-off and everyone scoring every half inning. And the World Series game that most resembled Game 4 that, that maybe I've ever seen, uh, which was definitely an up-and-down, back-and-forth um, insanity fest. And Kershaw takes a 3 nothing lead, gives it up. It's 3-2, and there are runners on the corners with no outs. He gets out of that inning, getting the tying run, stealing home plate. In what universe Crazy. does a pitcher with that much baggage like stare death in the face? and come back from it almost unscathed like Kershaw did. I mean, that's insane. And, and that's the kind of thing you have to commend the Dodgers for. And, it, you know, it's it's not saying, you know, the Yankees would never. I don't think any team would ever. I mean, that was crazy. And, you know, the, he rode the bullpen like a tightrope for the rest of the game and finished it off. It, it's worth definitely applauding what we just saw while also questioning the methods. Um, we should definitely uh, dive into the Jack Peterson thing because he hit yet another clutch homer for the Dodgers yesterday. Um, and is a free agent at the end of this season. Um, he's a lefty bat. The Yankees are bereft of lefty bats. Um, and Peterson did seem to be persona non grata in LA this offseason when the Dodgers tried to free up Mookie Betts' roster space by trading him to the Angels. Uh, and when the Betts trade version 1.0 fell apart, so did that trade because the Angels owner just got annoyed with how long it was taking. And now Jock is a Dodger again for one more year. Um, crazy had a tough year hit 190 hit seven homers though after 36 in the full season last year he's just 28 he's a playoff beast and he would give the Yankees a kind of lineup balance and platoon work that they have not had in a long time the jock to New York buzz is kind of heating up and I feel like that is a perfect budgetary fit perfect budgetary fit you don't want to spend a lot you want a guy who can platoon out there potentially with you know Clint or somebody depending on what happens with Gardner you know I'm gonna play devil's advocate too if you're a Yankee fan and you're sitting out there and you've been hearing us talk for however long that we've been in terms of uh, making these little uh, adjustments with the lineup and making sure that we have 
the necessary pieces that we need contact bat more hitting for average playing a little bit more small ball lefties you look at jock and you're like okay great why do we want another guy that doesn't hit for average only hits home runs and you know that that's another carbon copy of a lot of the guys that we have in this lineup well he's a lefty bat and jock puts a lot of wood uh, he makes very good contact uh regardless of how low his average is um he's not a crazy obp guy though for his career his obp is 106 points higher than his batting average he bats 230 for his career 336 obp not great but he's got an 806 ops yankees front office apparently loves ops because that's our entire lineup um but you look at jock two left side of the plate the short porch, you know, I don't want to say was designed for him because that's literally Bryce Harper, and that's who we probably wish was was hitting home runs over the right field fence. Jock, same thing, dude. And Jock goes oppo too, which I love about it. He is not – he's a very disciplined hitter. He doesn't strike out a whole ton. Um, in 149 games last year, 111 strikeouts. 43 games this year, 34 strikeouts. I know he had a tough year at the plate, uh, batting 190, as you said. Uh, but once again, he was playing part-time. Uh, uh, you have to think that the trade that fell through with the Angels weighed on him a little bit, especially in the beginning of the season. Uh, team clearly going in a different direction, acquiring Mookie Betts, now making Jock expendable. But guess what? The guy's a postseason beast, dude. Slash is 272, 345, 503 in the postseason. That's good for an 849 OPS. Nine home runs in uh i'm sorry 151 at bats that's pretty damn good in the playoffs 25 runs scored um eight doubles only 49 strikeouts in 63 games uh that's the kind of discipline we need that's the kind of consistency that we need in a sense um so you know you could be signing on paying a little bit for his postseason performance then again devil's advocate he's in a very good lineup um, he's got a lot of padding around him, but guess what? It'd be the same thing in New York. He would be batting what he, what is he's, he's batting ninth in, he was batting eighth or ninth in, in the Dodgers lineup. He'll probably be in the same situation in New York. So I think it's a great budgetary thing, especially if they, you know, Brett Gardner's, uh, what he's 10, 10 million, 10 and a half million dollar team option. Uh, they could view that as too pricey. They might want to just pay the two and a half million dollar buyout be on with it, give Jock a multi-year deal. I don't know what he'll cost. Maybe what? Eight to 10 million. Yeah. I mean, guess. I don't know. I don't know why he'd be more expensive than like that first DJ LeMahieu contract, like two years, 24. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't, uh, I see. Yeah. And uh, it's a great addition. It, it changes things up. Like we said, we need a left. DD was the lefty power guy. Look at all, look at, look at the, look at how different it was when he was atop his game and, and getting after uh, the pitcher on, on the other side, you know, he was putting balls over the fence. He was roping doubles into the gap and that's what this team needs. And, you know, if we're talking about someone who's calm, cool and collected in the postseason, Jock's got enough of a legwork, dude. He's been, he's played in the postseason with this team since 2015. He's been to the last three out of the four world series. This is, this is no stranger to him. He's not, this is not a foreign environment for him. Um, it's a foreign environment for a lot of the Yankees players, you know, Stanton, uh, hasn't been to the playoffs a lot. Uh, Luke Voigt, not a guy who has been to the playoffs a lot. Same with Urshela, you know, and it's still going to be, it's not going to be a work in progress, but these guys still have to get acclimated to that type of environment. Um, and it takes years and Jock is a guy who has been there for literally six years. And that's a long time. He's been there since he was 23. He's now 28. He'll be 29 next year. 
And I think it's a good fit. I, I know that it seems redundant with uh, his power numbers, but he doesn't strike out a lot. He puts bat, he puts the ball in play, and that's what we're looking for. It's a little bit of, of a, you know, uh, under-the-radar type aspect because you look at his numbers and it seems like he's he's exactly like what we have right now, but he's really not, I, I don't think. Yeah, I mean, it can be a mistake to set out and say, I need to fill this lineup with lefties. I don't have enough balance. Give me lefties because then – you just start overlooking good players and just looking at fit on the side of the plate and all that stuff. But that's the thing with Peterson. Like, how rare is it that you're going to get a free agent bat with tremendous power, 36 homers last year in 149 games, and find a guy who doesn't necessarily expect to play every day? Like, he's played, you know, between 130 and 150 games in all these seasons. Um, like if you're trying to fill a part-time role on the bench with someone who is an upgrade over like a Mike Talkman or even a Gardner, like a leadership, you know, person at this juncture, like you could do so much worse than Peterson. And it's going to be, it's almost impossible to find a part-timer like Peterson in free agency, but that's, you know, that's what he expects. Um, there are a lot of lefty bats on the market in sort of the mid range, low range and upper echelon, Michael Brantley being probably the best fit. Tommy LaStella as a utility man who could play anywhere in the lower end. Peterson is a perfect mid range, you know, option for this team. And somebody who, while he does provide more power, I mean, at a certain point, playoffs are small sample sizes by definition. But when you have playoff after playoff after playoff that piles up where someone is effective, uh, it starts to become a trend and more than simply, you know, a bunch of small sample sizes. Remember, the playoffs are the place where the best pitchers in the sport reside. If someone is hitting 300 with power. Introducing Under Armour's Infinity High Sports Bra. Its ergonomic design is molded to support the natural movement of your body. With cord-out padding, the better breathability eliminates extra bulk without sacrificing support. And quick-dry padding is Under Armour's fastest-drying padding yet. When you're lifting heavy, running fast, and pushing yourself further than ever before, you need a bra that will help you go that extra mile and make you feel your best. Shop the Infinity High Sports Bra now at UA.com multiple playoff series that reflects on them and if someone like Gary Sanchez is repeatedly not delivering in the postseason honestly that reflects on them too we're going to take a break for a second for a word from our sponsors and when we get back I'm going to talk to you about why Gary Sanchez and Brandon Lau are not comparable at all welcome back to the Yanks Go Yard podcast we were just doing a deep dive on Jack Peterson and his fit in the Bronx so now I do want to bring our attention to something else that's sort of gone on in the playoffs uh, this year, a narrative that a lot of people were spreading that doesn't fully compute and, and sort of feels like a bad faith argument. Um, Brandon Lau, the, the Rays MVP candidate, uh, was 0 for 18 in the ALDS against us. Uh, not, not good. Had a really, really bad series. Uh, in the World Series, he has found himself, he has you know started the whole series, hit three home runs. One was a monster uh, opposite field flip job in that wild game four that gave the Rays a 5-4 lead in the middle of the game. Um, people have compared the fact that Kevin Cash stuck with Lau uh, and kept him in the lineup throughout his struggles and allowed him to work through it against the Astros to uh, what Aaron Boone did to Gary Sanchez, uh, which, you know, was the exact opposite maneuver. Uh, he ended up benching Sanchez uh, for four out of the five division series games amid his struggles, um, you know. But this discussion is leaving out uh, a part of the narrative entirely that just proves that people are not thinking this one through. Um, first of all, 
Sanchez was pulled from games one and five of the DS, not by Aaron Boone, but by Garrett Cole and by a mutual decision to put Kyle Higashioka behind the plate. Um, that, that has nothing to do with what Boone decided on a whim. Uh, Boone was not looking at spreadsheets or, and he was not looking at the past three games of Gary Sanchez's tenure and making a snap decision. That decision was made by the entire team and most importantly, the A's. So that leaves only three games for Sanchez to start. Sanchez started one of them. Uh, sure. You could argue that he should have started all three. Um, but what you have to acknowledge in this conversation is that this is a more difficult decision for Aaron Boone than simply, should I put my struggling catcher in the game or should I not? When the Yankees struggle in the playoffs, the burden falls on Gary Sanchez more often than not. He dominates the conversation when the Yankees fail to deliver in clutch situations. While a playoff series is a small sample size, we are talking about a terrible 2020 season for Sanchez in the 60-game campaign, possibly the most disappointing offensive performance in baseball, hit 147. We're talking about Brandon Lau being an MVP candidate in the shortened 2020 season. So a slump by Lau means so much less than a slump by Sanchez, especially when you factor in his dearth of postseason success. He was bad in 2018. He was bad in 2019. He was by and large not good in 2020 either, excepting the home run he hit off Tristan McKenzie in the Indians playoff game. Uh, but we also can't ignore the fact that when Boone has to make a decision with Gary Sanchez, he's got the New York media breathing down in his neck, and the number one person whose name is on their lips is Sanchez when the team is going through a doldrums. Uh, Lau and Kevin Cash, not the same situation whatsoever. Not a person on earth was asking for Cash to bench Lau, who was potentially his best offensive player during the 2020 season that just happened. Um, so there's a narrative adjustment here. Uh, no one is putting the pressure on cash to make the same decision that people are absolutely burning Boone's house down until he's willing to put his finger on the trigger. Um, and, and Lau has outperformed Sanchez recently. He's outperformed Sanchez in late and close and, and Lau's postseason, uh, you know, whether he's had success in the past or not, and whether other people have had success in the past or not in short sample sizes is irrelevant because with Sanchez, it's piling up. That's all I'm saying. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's already piled up. Lau has 181 games of Major League Baseball experience. Gary Sanchez has 421. And you can see the stark differences. Gary in the playoffs has 30 games under his belt over across four years. That's not a small sample size. He's batting 173 with a 608 OPS. I like, you know, we love the seven home runs and the 110 at bats. But guess what? 173 is bad. As we just looked at jock stats, he's batting 272, which is world. That's a hundred points more than this. So, you know, the conversation is very much tilted. He's also, you know, jocks also in the, the 800s for the OPS, which is also a world of difference. Lau is not in that type of situation. He is a very productive player on both offense and defense. And the issue with Sanchez was that the only thing I would argue with cash here is that Lau should have been moved down in the lineup. He shouldn't have been batting second this entire time, kind of like what we were talking about with Aaron Judge when he was going through these struggles in the playoffs. You keeping a guy like that going through going through whatever it is and being an automatic out almost, Lau was quite literally an automatic out in the two-hole, that's that's a big, big you know, detriment and roadblock in your offense, you know, especially when you're starting off the game and you're trying to get hot or, you know, top of the order's coming up in one inning. You can't have that type of a liability. So I would fault Cash for not moving him down. We couldn't move down Gary Sanchez any farther. 
How, where are you going to move him? The next stop was the bench. That was it. You can't move him out of the nine spot or the eight spot. There, there's, there's not much, uh, uh, there's not much else maneuvering you can do. The next option was the bench. And that was the end of it. There was no other way to get Gary to kind of recharge the batteries and figure things out and, and work through the motions. And he is, you know, he hasn't been the same effectual offensive player at, you know, Lau is a different type. Lau finished what second in the rookie of the year, third in the rookie of the year voting last year and was an all-star across 82 games. He had 17 home runs in 82 games. I know Gary, you know, very similar uh, when when he gets the ball rolling and he's cranking bombs. But Lau also batted 270, and he's batted 270 this year too. So you know the conversation is is much different. And you don't bench a young guy like that who's working working through the kinks. Gary is not really you know a young young guy anymore. I mean, in terms of you know his experience, he's not. He started his major league career what. At 20, yeah, he started, him and Lau started at the same age, except Gary was two years prior. So he's got two more years experience on him. And, you know, I, I don't, there's there's no difference here. You know, Lau is also a lefty. So that's an important, important piece to keep in the lineup. And middle infield defense, you can't really, you know, tinker with. If Lau plays, Lau plays good defense, he's a positive D war guy, which is exactly what you need in the playoffs. And they're shifting a whole lot. So moving somebody else in there who, hasn't been getting as much playing time and doesn't have as much experience with dealing with the defensive alignments is, would be a detriment on top of, you know, on top of, you know, you're trading one for one. Okay, great. Lau's not hitting at the plate. So we're going to put a guy in there who might be able to hit at the plate, but is also not going to be as good defensively. So you got to weigh, you got to weigh the pros and the cons there. I think, like I said, only thing I would fall cash for not bumping him down in the lineup to kind of give him more of a confidence booster. Um, Boone's only option was to bench Sanchez and it's, it's not the same. Gary Sanchez can't Gary Sanchez knows a fastball is coming and he can't, he can't catch up to it. He, he can't hit it. He can't put wood on it. Um, when I was listening to WFAN uh, last week, just quickly, uh, Christy Acker came on. She's the New York daily news beat writer for the Yankees. And she said in talking to scouts and other executives um, in terms of diagnosing what's up with Gary, they just think he has no idea what's coming. And, you know, if that's what the Yankees think internally, that he's clueless at the plate and he doesn't know what pitch is coming, that's, that's really bad because you should be, you know, if you're guessing there should be some, sort. it's like filling in all the C's on the Scantron, you know, you're guaranteed like a 30% or whatever the hell the stats say. If Gary's guessing here and there, there should be some sort of a success rate and there's not because 147 is not any sort of success rate. If he was batting 230, I'd be like, okay, you know, he's swinging, he's trying to figure it out. It's whatever. He batted 186 in 89 games two years ago. He upped that to 232 last year across 106 games. And in 50 games this year, 147. What he, you know, it, the stats are not by his side. He is, it's in his head. He is not, if that's what they think is happening. To, in my opinion, that's that's probably the worst thing because he's not comfortable stepping in there. He's not comfortable. He can't see what's coming out of the pitcher's hand, which is a very big, a very big assignment for hitters to diagnose what pitch is coming. And in my opinion, that's worse. And if that's what they think internally, then he should be on the bench. And it, this isn't even a this isn't even a comparable conversation, in my opinion. Also, we're going to act like the Kyle Higashioka gambit didn't work. He, he saved Jordan Montgomery in game four yeah. by blocking blocking balls in the dirt and, and preventing runs from scoring in a game that was ultimately 1-4-1. So I, all of this hinges on 
basically telling me that because Brandon Lau struggled and Gary Sanchez struggled, that A, the likelihood that both would have come out of their struggles are equal. Not true. Uh, Lau was far more likely to, you know, get on a mini hot streak and, and stay composed at the plate. And B, that a Sanchez breakout was inevitable. I mean, it wasn't. Even a minor burst was not inevitable and it never happened during the regular season. So why would it happen in the playoffs when the pressure's on, uh, when he previously, you know, had exhibited no ability to up his ante or, or even perform up to expectations in the playoffs. Uh, several years now, never hits over 200 in a playoff series. So I think we can retire that one for now. Uh, good for Brandon Lau for figuring it out, but I don't think that has much to do with the Gary Sanchez situation at hand, which once again was complicated by New York being New York. Uh, okay. One last thing before we go, uh, we do want to talk about Didi Gregorius, who showed up on WFAN this weekend to talk uh, Joe Girardi versus Aaron Boone, kind of impugned Boone for the analytics that he relies upon very heavily. And he, Didi mentioned how, you know, gut feel is a big part of, of the way managing works, which, I mean, I don't know why you invite Didi on just to blast. I love it. Management. I love it. It, it was interesting. It was interesting. Uh, he also talked about Gary. He, he said, you know, Gary needs a fresh start next year. And it, it joined the vocal chorus of people who think that maybe his time in New York is over. I think that, you know, we got to keep our eyes peeled at the very least. Um, and he talked about her possible reunion with the team and definitely downplayed it, saying that, you know, he doesn't think the Yankees want him. I don't think the relationship uh, has been good for a while between the two parties. I think it dates back to not the end of 2019, but the middle of 2019. It seemed contentious for a while. And the Boone comments sort of, you know, lend credence to that idea. I mean, wh- where are you on this? I mean, Didi's not coming back. It no. would seem fairly obvious, but I think it stems from both sides. I don't think either side is happy, and I don't think they're even going to talk. Yeah, I don't think they should talk either. Fans seem to want this to happen, and I don't blame them. I love Didi a shortstop. Um, I didn't want him to go, but there was a situation where somebody had to go. It happens with every team in every sport when you have some sort of log jam or you have some sort of contractual issues. This was just the natural progression of it. He was becoming a free agent. And that was the easiest way for the Yankees to deal with the situation. Look, D, this DJ LeMahieu was not supposed to be this. We discuss this every week. He was he was a two year, twenty four million dollar dude coming in to play some utility infield and you know add a contact bat, and he ends up being a batting champion and a defensive stalwart. So uh, we didn't we didn't see it coming. Uh, nobody, yeah, it's safe to say nobody at all saw this coming. Um, it was a great, great move by Cashman took a flyer on a guy who kind of, you know, had a, not a, not even a down year with Colorado, but he was, he was not at his batting title, uh, abilities at that point. Um, and they want to move Glaber to short. It was, it was always in the long-term plans and that's the way it is. And, you know, it didn't work out for this short 60 game stint, but guess what? You got to judge the guy across 162 games. And if you want DD back, it's not simple. Number one, he's not going to be cheap. He had a solid year in Philly. He's still got a great glove. He's a left-handed bat. All these things provide great value. I'm not saying he's going to break the bank with, you know, making 20 million a year, but he's going to get, he's probably hopefully going to get a multi-year deal. Cause I love DD. I hope he, I hope he gets some financial security after, after, you know, what he's been, the terrible timing with his free agency and all that. Um, but then if you do, then you're looking at, if you bring DD back, great. Okay, what are the scenarios? The scenarios are you're moving Glaber back to second. That's one. Or you're trading Glaber Torres because then you're re-signing DJ LeMahieu in any, any scenario, and that's going to cost more money. And DJ's probably going to play second base. We talked, we, how many times did we talk about this before? We don't think... DJ is going to want to be floating around the infield if he's signing a multi-year deal. 
it playing first, first, second, and third is not really what you wanted. You want more consistency as a veteran, especially with how much value he has. He should have a say in terms of what he's doing. He shouldn't be some guy that's, you know, at the mercy of the managerial decisions every night. He has earned the respect. He has earned whatever he wants to do, wherever he feels comfortable. And that's the end of the story. That's how life works. If you're good at something, then you get to choose and you have a say and your voice is heard. Um, so, or we're looking at, okay, great. Letting DJ walk. You're going to use, you know, some of that money to pay DD, but DD plays shortstop. So Glaber's going back to second and we're done with the Glaber ex- experiment at shortstop. And then if you don't want to do that, then guess what? You trade Glaber and get maybe a controllable starting pitcher. And then you're rolling with an even more aging in infi- middle infield with DD and DJ, you know, and then you got to win a world series within the next two years or else the, the natural uh, you know, regression for those guys is going to eventually come. And then the lineup isn't going to be as good as it was. You're looking at a lot of problems. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what people are thinking because they don't have an alternate solution. It's just like, yeah, bring DD back. He's great guy, great energy, he plays awesome defense. You know, we love having him in the dugout. We love having him in the clubhouse. Yeah. I mean, I, I do. And I did, and I do. I would, I would love that, but where, where, what, what, what move, what alternate moves are you making? Then you're, then you're, I guess. In- so as you graduate and head out into the world, there's only one thing that you need to know. Hi, this is Jamie from Progressive. Yeah, I can talk now. Progressive protects you 24-7. So tell me what happened. Oh, I'm sorry, Gene. Can you give me one second? Um, brush out for every meal. Congratulations and thank you. Sorry about that. I'm back. So tell me about this fender bender. Contact us 24-7 on the phone, online, or on the mobile app. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Covered subject to policy terms. In a sense, fixing what's not really broken in in a big way. It's kind of like the Lindor trade that we keep talking about. Do we need to make a trade for Francisco Lindor? Do we need to give up prospects, a haul of prospects for Francisco Lindor, and then pay for a $200 million extension, and then worry about what we're going to have to do with Glaber Torres and or DJ LeMahieu? That's a lot. And it's a lot for a front office. It's a lot for a guy like Cashman, even though the guy's a workhorse, but there's other things to be dealt with on the roster. There's pitching issues. There's, you know, we need left-handed bats. We need contact bats. We might need some outfield depth. We need some more, you know, uh, we need some more bench players. If guys like, uh, you know, Talkman and um, who else, uh, who else faltered this year? I mean, my man, Tyler, my man, yeah, Tyler Wade, Mike Ford, you know, those guys, I know it's a shortened season and we don't want to make judgments based on that, but it's the front office might have to do that for the sake of just moving on and figuring things out. And there's no more joking around with the Yankees. It's 11 years without a championship. It's a serious thing. Um, I know it sounds bratty, but that's just the way it is in New York. And there's to, it's it, it, cre- doing this type of thing is just creating more and more chaos, not in a bad way, just in, in terms of, shifting the culture and shifting around positions and moving people here and moving people there and guaranteeing a spot for this person and whatnot. So it, there's too many moving parts. We have the, the foundation is there now, like you said, this is one at the margins, a little move here, a little move there, small trade here, small trade there. And that's what it's going to take. Didi not coming back, but I love the guy and I hope he gets paid. Yeah, we love him. I mean, it wasn't going to happen last year because he needed a pillow contract to reestablish his value. He wasn't joining a team 
with Torres, Urshela, LeMayhew, Andujar, Voight, Ford, mm-hmm. talking like all these guys. He wasn't joining a team where he's going to have to fight for playing time. Like he was going to have to wedge himself in there somehow. He needed a big year to reestablish his value. Uh, though the hard hit rate wasn't totally there. He he got the counting stats this year. He's probably going to get a multi-year deal somewhere. And good for him. Uh, and his part of, you know, his his New York career is almost 100% over. And that's fine. And that's the way that the timing worked out. And that's the way that, luckily, the DD performing portion of the equation did work out. So he's probably going to get his money somewhere. But it is not going to be with us. Um, and in terms of being a positive clubhouse and locker room presence, I think that ship sailed too. I don't think he would be the same locker room presence with the Yankees in 2021 as he was in 2017. And you could feel it start to sour in 2019. And now I'm, I'm pretty sure that's been severed. So best of luck uh, to the Prince moving forward. We love him, but it's not going to happen here for a multitude of reasons. Uh, the least of which is, is probably the prohibitive financial cost. That is it for this episode of the Yanks Go Yard podcast. Um, Make sure to find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, wherever you do get your podcasts, and drop us those reviews that we do covet along with your five stars and your mailbag questions. Until next time, I'm Adam Weinrib, and you can find me on Twitter to yell at me about Gary Sanchez at Adam Weinrib. And I'm Thomas Carinante. I welcome all the yelling, too. You can find me on Twitter at Tommy's underscore takes. Visit us at yanksgoyard.com for all the news, rumors, speculation, trade scenarios, whatever you want. And like Adam said, submit some mailbag questions. Reach out to us on the official Yanks Go Yard Twitter account at yanksgoyardfs. We'll take some of your suggestions. We'll create some content out of it. It's going to be a great offseason, guys. See you, everybody. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.